When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now it's time to talk with Henry Louis Gates Jr. about the surprising stories buried within families. We're talking, of course, about the PBS show Finding Your Roots. The host is the Alphonse Fletcher University professor at Harvard University and also the director of the W.E.B. Du Bois Institute for African and African American Research at Harvard. Henry Louis Gates, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, John. It's a great honor to be on your your podcast. I love it. Well, thank you. But first of all, I have to thank you for that interview you did with the New York Times Book Review, where they asked if you could require the president to read one book, what would it be? And what was your answer? <laughs> uh, um, Black Reconstruction by W.E.B. Du Bois and um, The History of Reconstruction by Eric Foner. And I believe you also mentioned specifically the sections on the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. <laughs> that that might have been a bit wicked on my part, but... <laughs> I did. And, you know, Eric was so, who's one of the greatest historians alive, was so moved that I mentioned him and his book in relationship to W.E.B. Du Bois's uh, classic Black Reconstruction, that he wrote me one of the most moving emails that I've ever received. He said he just wished his parents were alive to see his name and his work associated in the same sentence. Mm. with their hero, W.E.B. Du Bois. Mm. And I was profoundly moved by that. Du, du Bois um, undertook a corrective against the racist aspersions cast on black achievement during uh, Reconstruction by a group of professors, historians, led by um, Professor Dunning at Columbia. Yeah. And... Eric, and, and he has this great um, uh, critique of their work called on the propaganda 
uh, the propaganda of history, showing that uh, the work that historians uh, do is not uh, some uh, objective account of what happened. It's ideologically based. It's infected by politics but from angle point of view. And it's clear that the subtext for the Dunning School's account of Reconstruction was a justification for Jim Crow segregation. Uh, they wanted to show that giving black men the right to vote had been a mistake. They had been incompetent. They were venal, lascivious. All they wanted to do was pass laws <laughs> uh, authorizing miscegenation. They were corrupt. They were bribed. And this just wasn't true. But but they um, sanctioned political prejudice and racist ideology under the rubric of history. So Du Bois took them on in 1935 with this massive work called Black Reconstruction. And that began to change the narrative. And that arc of narrative transformation, interpretive transformation, reached its peak when Eric Foner wrote his what I call the Bible of Reconstruction. <laughs> and so when I decided uh, that I wanted to do a documentary on Reconstruction, I knew that the way in um, was guarded by <laughs> Eric Foder. Mm -hmm. And so I called him and I said, I want you to be not only our chief historical advisor, but I want you to be my partner with my, my co-executive producer, Dylan McGee. And um, so it's really our four-hour series, Dylan's, Eric's, and mine, and um, along with our other great producers, of course. And we just got the marvelous news before Christmas that we've won the um, Alfred DuPont Columbia Award for, for documentary uh, for Reconstruction. So in a sense, we've come full circle for the, the Dunning School uh, at the beginning of the century, which was trying to undermine Reconstruction, to Du Bois's critique of the Dunning School, to Eric Foner, who is the, the, the dominant professor of history at Columbia on Reconstruction. And now the Columbia University has just given us a, the DuPont Award for our critique of the Dunning School. <laughs> Congratulations. Listeners will remember Eric Foner was our guest talking about the PBS series that you hosted on Reconstruction. And Congratulations on the DuPont Prize for that. But today, today we want to talk about the new season of Finding Your Roots. This is season six, and I'd like to start by talking about the premiere, which featured Isabella Rossellini, Mia Farrow, and Angelica Houston, children of Hollywood royalty. You had a stunning discovery about Angelica Houston's ancestors, Tell us about her fifth great-grandfather who died in Maryland in 1811, and you found his will. What did it say? It was one of the most astonishing stories that we've ever uncovered. Uh, that and um, her DNA. So let me talk about her, her, her direct ancestor, then we'll talk about what her DNA revealed. We found the will of this ancestor, and he manumitted, he said, um, his slaves and slave people that he owned because he admitted they were his children. Mm. He had fathered them. And that means that Angelica has fourth great granduncles and that they were uh, Angelica's fourth great granduncles and aunts. 
and that she has cousins of direct African descent walking around in the United States today. She was flabbergasted. <laughs> she, she had no idea that she'd had any ancestor who owned a slave, and certainly no idea that um, she might have cousins of African descent. And the ancestor listed the names of his slave children who were going to be freed when they reached 30 years old. You asked Angelica Houston to read aloud from the will the names of the slave children who are her relatives. That was a stunning moment of television. Oh, uh, thank you. I was so deeply moved. Her fifth great-grandfather's name was Andrew Smith. And we went through his estate records, and we found that document freeing four of his slaves because he says they were his children. Now, John, the average, a a little uh, genetics 101 here. Okay. The average African-American, think of all the African-Americans you know. There's no African-American virtually. Uh, You can never say never, never say none, but there are almost no African-Americans have been tested by any of the major DNA companies who are 100% sub-Saharan African or 100% black. All African-Americans, oh, the average African-American is 24% white or European in their genome. That's incredible. Well, where did that European ancestry could come from? It came from slavery. But here's the difference between the, uh, the white ancestors of most of us and Angelica's fifth great-grandfather. The white ancestors of most of us did not admit it, did not have a pangs about it, did not have a conscience about it. Uh, did not manumit their slaves because of it, but Andrew Smith did. And extraordinarily, we were able to find this document and tell her that she has uh, half fourth great granduncles and aunts who were enslaved people. And that means if we trace their, um, their descendants forward, that she has, she could have one grand a family reunion <laughs> of uh, comprised of African-Americans. And in terms of her DNA, we also found out that she was 2.7% Ashkenazi Jewish. And she had no idea that she had any Jewish ancestry. And one of the, the fun features of our show is to connect uh, the guest with any other guest who's been in the series in our database. And that's about 200 people with whom they might share long identical segments of DNA. If you share long identical segments of DNA with another person, this is not random. It means that if we had your family tree ideally populated and that person's family tree ideally populated, there would be one person who was the same on the family tree, that you would um, descend from a person in common. And Angelica Houston's DNA cousins are you ready for this? Bernie Sanders and Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly first cousins, but they're there. <laughs> yeah, not exactly first cousins, but really cousins yeah. in the last couple hundred years. So they would, would descend from a common ancestor. So that's that's quite remarkable. It, I think that she was, you know, we hit her, uh, we, we hit her up one side, and then, then we hit her on the other side. It's true. <laughs> First she was crying, and then she was laughing. It was, it was, yeah. it was amazing. 
it was. Since you are the public face of DNA testing for family history, I wonder if we could talk about Elizabeth Warren for a minute and the way Trump mocked her as Pocahontas for claiming Cherokee heritage. So she went out and got a DNA test and released a video that looked a little bit like your show, but instead of you, there was a Stanford University geneticist, Carlos Mm -hmm. Bustamante, who told her on camera that, quote, the facts suggest that you absolutely have a Native American ancestor in your pedigree, close quote. It seemed like she was maybe 132nd Native American. This had been part of her family history that she'd been told by her parents. And she said, quote, I'm proud of my Native American heritage, close quote. It's widely regarded now as her biggest political mistake. What do you think about that whole business? First of all, Elizabeth Warren is my colleague at Harvard. She's a professor at the law school. And I consider her a friend and a person I admire enormously. And I also have worked closely with Carlos Bustamante, who is a leading uh, geneticist at Stanford University. Stanford has one of the great genetics departments in the world. And we have um, turned to Carlos uh, many times for analysis of guests with significant Native American ancestry. Uh, so I didn't see the video because I was busy making finding your roots. Yes. <laughs> but, but if Carlos Bustamante, there's no question about his, the quality of his scholarship. So I, I can't comment further than that except to say that he is a renowned um, um, geneticist and his his work is extremely reliable. I think most people can't wrap their head around what that means. So that what we try to do is to explain equivalencies on finding your roots. So if you were 3%, say, Ashkenazi Jewish, that is the equivalent of X great-great-grandparent. You see what I mean? Right. So that maybe maybe the results could have been packaged in a different way, but I can't comment on how they package them because I didn't actually um, see the video. In fact, I didn't even know there was a video. I only read about it in the paper and, of course, saw uh, the reaction of Donald Trump. It wouldn't have mattered what Carlos Bustamante had found for Donald Trump. He was going to find a way to mock Elizabeth Warren um, no matter what. But that's one of the great things about admixture tests, though. An admixture test reveals your percentages of Native American, Asian, European, Sub-Saharan, uh, African ancestry back 500 years. Elizabeth never discussed it with me. Um, I, I had no idea that Carlos was doing this research. I was never consulted about it. Um, I would have made suggestions if I had seen the report and 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 talked about ways to disseminate the, the information had I been asked, but, but we weren't asked. But I think that she's a brilliant person, and she's certainly an honest person. And if she said she was raised with stories about her Native American ancestry, then I'm, I have no choice but, but um, to believe her. Well, of course, the biggest problem was not with the DNA. It was with the Cherokees, who quickly made it clear that a DNA test is not the basis of determining tribal citizenship. Uh, for that, yes. you have to have it been enrolled in the some historical documents. 
Uh, well, and- that's you're you're absolutely right. That the Cherokee are one of the most well documented and self regulating um, of the Native American tribes. They have been rigorous about tracking um, descendants. They have established their own rules for determining who is a descendant of a Cherokee person and, and who's not. And we have found some people with a, treme- a tremendously high percentage of um, Native American ancestors, like Eva Longoria, or you know people from the Southwest who would be have a lot of European, Spanish, and Native Native American um, ancestry, but we're not specific with the tribe. Though um, a test that Carlos developed and that we used for Sandra Cisneros, if memory serves correctly, did identify her specific ethnicity um, among uh, the Native American genetic groups. But I can't remember exactly what that was, but it, it wasn't one of the five so-called, that's what they called themselves, the, the Creek, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Cherokee, and the Seminole. And they were called that because they embraced the English language and Christianity. And quite shocking to most people, they owned African slaves themselves. And they, of course, were the five groups um, that were forcibly removed from their lands by Andrew Jackson's yeah. uh, Indian Removal Act of 1830 and led to the, the horrific Trail of Tears because they were moved to the state that would ultimately become Oklahoma in order to open up cotton-growing soil in the South, and which led to one of the biggest economic booms in the history of the United States between 1830 and 1860, and also the movement of a million African-American enslaved people from the Upper South to the Lower South between roughly 1800 and 1860 in order to pick that cotton and to develop that quote-unquote undeveloped territory. So I bet, you know, when you you saw, go back to your childhood, and when you saw movies about the Trail of Tears, you didn't know all this history because they left all this history out in the same way that when you watch Remember the Alamo they didn't tell you that Texas was seceding from Mexico because they wanted to keep slavery legal. And Mexico had abolished slavery in 1821. So this is why history is more interesting than fiction. <laughs> yes. and, and sometimes, and particularly Hollywood fiction, or the way that at least when I was growing up, history was represented through the fictional narratives about the West and, and lines of descent. One more question about DNA. Our colleagues in academia, I'm sure you know, have argued for a while now that race is not a biological fact. It's a cultural construct, and the reliance on DNA reinforces discredited ideas about racial purity, which are now being revived by the white supremacists. Uh, Some have criticized you and this show for undermining the idea that race is a cultural construct. I'm sure you're familiar with this argument. Oh, that's because my my colleagues, um, uh, most humanists haven't taken a course in biology in a long, long time. (laughs) (laughs) And very and very few of my colleagues outside of biology and genetics, say, at Harvard, actually uh, I have, have read a text about modern genetics. A DNA test, an admixture test, deconstructs 
the essentialized notions of race that we inherited from the 18th century, from the Enlightenment. It shows that we're all mixed, that when no matter what the law was in the, the, the day, at night, everybody was sleeping with everybody else. There is no such thing as racial purity. My goal is just as in my um, literary criticism has always been to deconstruct racist notions, essentialize the notion of race. And that is precisely what we're doing through the most sophisticated DNA analysis. It shows that we are 99.9% the same, no matter what our phenotypical differences are, and that we all descend from common ancestors in Africa. You can't make a, uh, two more radical scientific claims than that. I think that all students should be required in college to take a course in genetics. The, the, the developments in genetics are so astonishing and so complex and so exciting. Just think, um, when I started this series in 2005, I had no idea that we would be able to tell a person that 30% of their recent African ancestry was Igbo or had come from Eastern Nigeria or had, had, had come from Senegal. But we can actually do that, not because race is an essentialized category, but because people in different regions share genetic mutations. And if you share that mutation, that means you descend from a person who lived in that part of the world. That is what DNA uh, admixture results are saying. I think that the DNA community has to do a better job of explaining the exciting and enormous implications of what they're doing, and which we carefully do and we do our best to do on finding your roots so that we're not perpetuating stereotypical notions about essential categories of race. We are, in fact, doing the opposite. We're turning them upside down. But so many <laughs> of my colleagues were at such a horrible reaction to the misuses of biology uh, made by the Nazis and other white supremacist groups since that they want to throw the baby out with the bath. They say biology is racist. Well, hello, I, you know, go to your <laughs> doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nobody actually believes it. And rather than to do the hard work of reading a basic genetics test, people just fall back on shibboleths or generalized claims about genetics. What they should do, they should take a DNA test. Hmm. And they will realize how wondrous it is. And, and John, one of the most exciting uses of DNA one of the most gratifying things that we've been able to do in our series is to help adoptees find their biological parents. Yeah. And we did this with Andy Sandberg's um, mother. She, he had hired a private investigator and he has, you know, enormous means of resources. And uh, she came to the shoot. She was sitting behind the screen with the producers uh, and his mother um, signed. She has a, a speech condition. So in, you know, the format of the series, everyone has this big scrapbook called your book of life. Right. And after we went through the biographical section, I said, okay, are you ready to let's start climbing the branches of your mother's side of your family tree? And I said, Andy, please turn the page. And he turned the page and there was a woman and he said, you're looking at your mother's mother. Wow. Now 
we found that woman through DNA and then found the paper trail to match the DNA results. And John, it was so moving. It was a sound like a wounded animal mm. that was just came from behind the screen with the producers. And this deep, aggrieved sobbing. And we had to stop. He started to cry. They brought her out so she could look at the picture of her mother. And she just hugged him man and just cried like a baby, mm. as the saying goes. And then it took us about a half hour to put everybody back together. <laughs> and then we, you know, went back. We, we did all their family tree. Then we came back and did her father's side. And I said, Andy, please turn the page. And I go, you're looking at your mother's father. And <laughs> the whole thing happened all over again mm. without modern DNA. We couldn't have, we, we couldn't have found that. So no, don't tell me that about the, the dangers or the harms of uh, DNA. The danger is for people not understanding the science of DNA, not understanding the science of genetics. Besides, man, that train has left a station. You know, the, the possibilities of discovery through DNA are evolving exponentially every day. And it is important for humanists and historians to understand the wonderful things that we can learn about the evolution of the human community through DNA rather than attempting uh, mistakenly to throw the baby out with the bath. Well, I'm sorry we're out of time. Henry Louis Gates is the host of Finding Your Roots on PBS. The theme this week on Finding Your Roots is homecomings, and the guests are Sterling K. Brown, Shasir Zamata, and John Batiste. New episodes on PBS Tuesdays at 8, 7 Central. Thank you, Henry Louis Gates. This was terrific. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And keep up the great work. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.